Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Challenging. Thought-provoking. Insightful. This is God in Country. The collision of faith and politics. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Well, 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 you heard all the announcements somebody told me this week. By the way, this is Dr. Sean Greener, the Ninja Pastor. Reverend Dr. Sean Greener, the right reverend, the most reverend. Maybe not the most reverent, but the most reverend. I don't even know what that is. All right. So, <laughs> it always cracks me. I read these letters and it cracks me up. You know, I'm, I'm not by any means a celebrity, and I don't think I am. Uh, but it is funny. You know, I get, uh, I don't know, thousands and thousands of emails a week. And I read through them. I try to read through as many as I can. And I'm just, sometimes it just cracks me up, the stuff people say. People be saying crazy stuff. Just crazy, crazy stuff. So somebody said to me, they said, you know, you keep announce, you say the same thing when you come on, that your announcement, your announcer says, and then you say, and it's repetitive. So why do you do that? You're wasting your radio time. And uh, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I'm not a professional radio guy, although we're going to have a guy on today who's been on before. Um, just absolutely phenomenal. Just stellar stellar guy and he's a he's a great friend uh really really i can't begin to tell you how much i i appreciate this guy i love him as a brother and uh so he's gonna be able to tell you more about that in a second and then there's another guy coming on uh named mitchell gerber from south africa and this guy woof, and i'll tell you about him in a minute too but so anyway i i get yelled at all the time because Never in person. I mean, they don't yell at me in person. I tend to have, a, there's less yelling when people meet me in person. I don't know why. They're calmer, I guess. Maybe it's the anti-bullying t-shirt or something I wear. I don't know. Could be anything. So my point in this is this. I'm not a professional radio guy. So 
I don't know why this show took off the way that it did, but it did. I don't know. It's you guys. You guys, you're hungry for some truth. I wrote a book, uh, I guess, what, four years ago, almost four years ago, called Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. And um, it's Amazon everywhere, wherever, wherever they sell books, you can get it online mostly. If you have a Kindle, you're welcome to download it on Kindle. Um, I think it's like, I don't know, a dollar, two dollars, whatever. I don't know how much it is on Amazon. But um, so I wrote this book and I wasn't a professional author either. So everybody learns from their first thing. You know what I'm saying? Everybody learns from their first thing. So whenever you do that first thing, you're going to learn from it. And so I'm learning, you know, I've been in radio now, I guess, well, I don't know how long, not even professional, really professional radio, just regular, whatever. And uh, whatever this is, internet radio, I guess they call it. And I'm, I've just been very fortunate. I, I have to tell you, I, 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 I honestly don't know what to make of it. But I do appreciate the, uh, the insight and the different things that people say. <laughs> Everybody tells me I need to have a hate what are they doing now? Hate mail segment? I, yeah. I don't know. The hate mail segment, it's a little overdone. Although I have to say, um, Tucker Carlson on Fox News, he, he has this guy. I, I said this guy will, will at some point be the number one news guy, even surpassing um, Bill O'Reilly. He, I just like the guy. I've met him in person. He's very engaging. Everybody thinks he's stuck up and thinks he's something, but he ain't. He thinks he's somebody, but he ain't just because he got a book and a bow tie. No, 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 no. He he is really a good guy. I mean, it, it's every exchange I've ever had with him has been awesome, but what a phenomenal show. So I'm saying that to say this. The dude is a professional. He's a professional. He's a He's just smart. He's just smart. He's really good at what he does. Uh, I get by with what I do, but, you know, and I'm a relatively intelligent guy, but I'm by no means a professional radio guy. Come on, bro. And I don't think that I am, so I'm not, I'm not going to try to kid you. So some of the letters I get, some of the hate mail, it has a lot of suggestions. And um, one of the suggestions, ironically, and when you hear me say this, you'll understand why I said ironically. Isn't it ironic? Which nothing in that song, by the way, is ironic. It doesn't speak to irony at all. And maybe that's the irony, is that nothing in the song fits the term ironic. So, uh, But anyway, what's ironic to me is this one comment said, you have too many commercials. Well, <laughs> I've got lots of good friends that are radio people and, and very successful. And they tell me, um, I tell you one of them, one of them was very helpful to me. Uh, my buddy, uh, Brad Stein, God's comic, he turned me on to Joe Messina, the real side with Joe Messina. That guy, sheesh, he's good, man. He's real good. I'd love to see Joe Messina and Dave Perkins, one of my guests today, do a show together. I think it would be absolutely hilarious and amazing. At the same time, well, Joe spent some time with me and just, you know, he invested, he sewed into me, as we Christians like to say. He sewed into me and he said, you know, you got to have commercials. You got to have commercials. 
And I just have to say that that's funny because the the complaint of the guy who wrote in and said, hey, you got too many commercials. I don't have any commercials. And that's the point. <laughs> I don't know what he was talking about. I know. I don't know. Maybe he's listening to another show. That's the only thing I can figure. I don't know. So let me just tell you about this show. Look, not a professional. I don't claim to be. I do not play, play one on television. I've been on television, but I was who I said I was on television. So I was playing me on television. So I just, you know, be, if you are willing to be patient with me, I'd sure appreciate it. So, <laughs> so next week, let's talk, let's talk about next week. Next week, which is Wednesday, December 21st. Wednesday, December 21st. Remember, Christmas is on Sunday this year uh, at 4.30. Wednesday, December 21st at 4.30. I am going to talk with a guy. Do you guys remember last week, uh, the ones that were listening last week, um, the four of you, uh, national reciprocity. I talked about that. You know, concealed carry, one of the, one of the hitches in concealed carry is the, the, like I have every, just about every uh, permit I can get from every state that gives them. But the problem is, what if you're traveling from coast to coast? What do you do with your firearm? You know, what do you do, Lord forbid, if you have to use your firearm? Well, you know, you got different laws everywhere. And, and one, one, um, one constitution and one second amendment, but for whatever reason, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a dumb thing. But some states, I'm all for states' rights, but hey, you know, the national constitution, come on. So we are going to have next week, and I'm very excited about this, uh, Joshua Prince. Josh, not Joseph Prince. I was on a, uh, a show down in Atlanta, and Joseph Prince was uh, also on the show. He was in the, he was in the, um, what do you call those things? Green rooms. Yeah, he was a super nice guy. Man, what a head of hair. Holy crap. Guy knows how to dress, too. Really, really, really super nice guy. Very, very good preacher. But anyway, it's not Joseph Prince. It's Joshua Prince. And he's an attorney. Um, he is with the Firearms Industry Consulting Group, and it's a division of Prince Law Offices. And I, I've, I get a lot of questions, a lot of questions about firearms. You guys know I'm a big sec second call defense guy. Uh, go to my website, theninjapastor.com or drshawngreener.com. And if you go to that banner at the bottom, the second call defense banner, you click on that. That'll give you all kinds of information. We won't spam you. Uh, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool thing. I won't, I won't carry it. I won't own a gun without it. I just won't. I won't. And I've researched them all and second call defense to me is the best. There's a commercial for you. But it's true. And Sean Maloney has been on. He's the founder of Second Call Defense. Great guy. Well, this guy's out of Beckelsville, uh, Pennsylvania, this Joshua Prince. And I read a, a several articles. Uh, first, I read one on national reciprocity. And then you know how it goes. You know, if you're a reader and you're a geek who loves information, uh, especially pertinent, well-presented information, you're going to read on it. So I read a ton of his, uh, of his stuff. And so before next week, if you want to look at PA firearmslawyer.com or firearmsindustryconsultinggroup.com. I would have gone with FICIG 
FICG. That's too much to remember. Firearms Industry Consulting Group. Whatever. It's, I'm sure he does great. Um, he didn't need my help, obviously. But I wanted to have him on the show after I read his article on national reciprocity. I was blown away. You know, guys, man, so cogent. So he's going to be on. He's going to be on next week, which I'm super excited. Uh, if I'm still alive next week, we will have a radio show. That's just how we work. That's just how we work. Uh, if I'm if I'm alive, and you say, "Well, ha, ha, that's funny. You're being funny." Well, you know, my audience is uh, like family to me, and I'll tell you, um, pray for me if you have a tendency to pray. Um, I would appreciate any prayers you can come up with, uh, because. Uh, I'm in a, you guys know I have, as a result of the crash, I have life-threatening, um, idiosymptomatic life-threatening hypertension. And so my numbers are 211 over, yeah, I think one was 135 just recently. It's been 305 over 295. Of course, I was in a hospital at the time where I ended up in the hospital. But the point is, is most people would freak out and lose their minds, but, uh, you know, they're not going to. I don't even know what they can do for me anymore. Been there too many times. So if you uh, if I don't pop, if I don't explode, um, I'll be here next week with our special guest. But we're here this week. And and listen, this is going to be a cool show today. But I'm I'm just in, in full disclosure. I, whew, the topics today are super intense. And I mean, they're they're heavy. They're they're really incredibly, incredibly upsetting. And and stunning, really. Uh, I'll just tell you, they're they're stunning. But you gotta you gotta hear this. These are tough things that you gotta hear. And and uh, my my great friend Dave Perkins, uh, he, it's just an honor to have him as a friend. You know, even if he didn't sew into my life with the wisdom that he does and the friendship that he does, we're um, part of a group. Uh, it's a pretty pretty amazing group of people. I'm the pity vote. I got in on the pity vote. Uh, world traveler, philosopher. Uh, He's a Blaze Radio. He he, I don't, I, he doesn't do do that anymore. But he was a Blaze Radio anchor, uh, and then he has his own show in his own right. A, a, amazing show. I don't know if he's still doing that anymore. I think he was going to retire from that. I don't know. And uh, but he's nationally admired. Uh, he's a nationally admired commentator. Um, he's been a great friend of this show and uh, a great friend of mine. And I'm always telling Dave, you should really write a book. Dave, you should really write a book. Dave, 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 write a book, write a book, write a book. There are a few people that I can guarantee you that I would read cover to cover. And I mean few people. I would read, uh, I, I would read whatever he wrote. I mean, seriously, whatever he wrote. No matter what, doesn't matter to me. I'm going to read it, um, and not just because I know the guy and I love the guy. It's just you know he's he cuts to the to the quick of it. Now I'm, I'm just going to warn. I know we have a lot of uh, younger people, which I'm I'm honored by the way to have so many younger people younger people listening all across the world. I'm very very honored at that. But today, if you have some little kids in the room. I'm not, I don't know, maybe, maybe they should hear it. I, I don't know, but, but it's going to be some rough stuff. It's going to be some rough stuff. Uh, Dave has written some things. Most of what he writes just kind of blows me away, but this stopped me in my tracks and I, and I immediately sent him a message and I said, Dave, can you be on the show next week? 
and he graciously agreed and and so i'm i'm very honored to have him uh after dave uh mitchell gerber he's a brilliant south african researcher um this is a thing and this is a real thing i've, I've double checked everything i don't like to have people on the show i don't know about so i had uh i checked mitchell out and and he's the real deal uh he's uh, from originally from South Africa, I, I think he spends much of his time here in the United States. And uh, one of these days, I'll get him on the show to talk about what it's like growing up in South Africa. But uh, he has taken on this illegal forced organ harvesting industry. Oh, and it exists. It's real. This is a real thing. It's horrifying. It's it's a horrifying thing, and it's terribly upsetting. It's inhumane. Um, it's something the likes of which that. To be very honest with you, no matter what country we're talking about, in this case, we're talking about China, but not just China, um, it, it's just, it, it's impossible to wrap your brain around. Uh, but if you have little kids and they, they listen closely while you're listening, now might not be the time. I'm, I'm going to be real honest with you. Once he once he comes on, we're going to have Dave on first, and I don't think there's anything Dave, Dave's all about life and, and, and making it clear what life is about, you know, and I don't, there's no harm. It's like going to college for your little kid to listen to Dave. But when Mitchell gets on, I think you may just want to have your finger on the, uh, on the button there, just in case, because, you know, we certainly don't want to, uh, we don't, we don't want to upset your children. So I'm just fair warning. Um, it will turn your stomach. I'm just going to tell you, it's going to turn your stomach. It's, it's very, very difficult. Let me, let me say this really, really quick just because I get asked a lot of this and we'll bring Dave on. Um, well, you know what, let me bring Dave on. I'd like to talk with him about it. It's He's super smart, so let's see here. Mr. Dave Perkins, how are you, sir? Hey, Sean, someone needs to explain under-promise and over-deliver to you, brother. Every time you introduce me, I feel like I need to become a combination of Winston Churchill and William F. Buckley just to justify what you say about me. <laughs> hey, I've said for a long time that you're you are the modern day C.S. Lewis, in my opinion. Well, it's because I that. read everything he ever wrote ten times, and I'm I'm actually just <laughs> giving his arguments. So C.S. Lewis is still with us. I'm just saying what he would say. I hear you. I hear you. Hey, let me uh, let me ask you about this really quick, and then we're going to get into uh, the the piece that you wrote. I just really thought was. Uh, it stopped me in my tracks because being a pastor and you know a religious guy you would expect you would expect me to have a really uh some sort of quick statement you know some quick statement some you know religious people like to have that really quick i don't even know what you call it it's like a one minute blurb like a, a bumper sticker deal and i don't that's not my favorite thing i i don't particularly care for that uh, but when you wrote what you wrote, wow, and we'll get to this uh, in a second. But I wanted to ask you, well, first of all, you're writing, folks, if you don't follow Dave Perkins on Facebook, uh, you, you've got to. You've got to follow this guy on Facebook. Listen, you're going to see stuff from other people about kitties and uh, little dog tricks and, you know, how to how uh, cabbage won't burn type of deal. Um which it won't. I tried it after I saw it on there, but, um, but, but when you read, I did, I tried it. It won't burn. Um, and so, but when you read Dave's stuff, you're getting an education. 
and um, and I think there's there's great value in that. So so I encourage everybody to follow him on Facebook and wherever else you know you can follow him. But let me say this, Dave. This situation with the post-election response of the left, uh, I'm not surprised. I'm not going to pretend that I'm some sort of seer and smart pundit. You guys know I said, look, if Trump wins, and I said this as soon as he came in, I said, if, it's, if, he, if he wins, the left is going to lose their minds, and they're going to do things and behave in a certain way, quite frankly, that is egregious. Uh, but it's also well, dangerous. There's, there's no better explanation of that than than for two weeks they told us the Electoral College had to be gotten rid of. It has to be ruined. It's it's ancient. It's an old-time artifact. It doesn't work anymore. The, the Clinton won the popular vote, blah, blah, blah. Get rid of the Electoral College, we heard, for two weeks. And then this week we hear Congressman Jim Himes of the Democrat Party say to the Electoral College, stand up and do your constitutional duty. Do what you were made to do. Stop us from having Trump elected. And it's like, okay, either we get rid of the Electoral College or we step back and allow them to do what they're supposed to do. But we can't have both unless you're a Democrat, in which case you are clearly seeing people trying everything to see what works. And they really don't care what they tried 10 minutes ago. All they care about is that it didn't work, and now they're going to try something else, even if it's the opposite of what they tried 10 minutes ago. Everything they're doing comes under the definition of flailing desperately, which gives you mm -hmm. a sense that they're not going to succeed because they really weren't ready to lose. They weren't prepared. They didn't have a plan in place for if they lost because they were absolutely sure they would win. So much for understanding America. Uh, you know, it almost seems as though it, 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 you know, I guess maybe and this is oversimplifying socialism and communism, but it's just like the, the left in America, the, the socialists, they think they're socialists. They're not really. Um, but the left thinks, they, and I believe they really do think this, uh, hey, you know what? It's, it, socialism would work if you did it right. It, we just need more time. We need more money. And we need the left to be totally in control. Because you, you conservatives, you rightists, uh, you mess everything up. So if you would just get out of the way and let us sort of take over, it'll be utopian. And we they just say, keep doing uh, this. We are the smartest people that ever lived, and the people that tried socialism before weren't as smart as us. So just get out of the way of the smart people, say, say uh, morons like John Kerry, who proceed to put hundreds of thousands of people in Libya in fear for their lives with a catastrophically mishandled bit of arrogant, superior, smug diplomacy in which he constantly tears down the right and Bush and, and evil warmongers and all that. But the net result of his participation in this, we are the smart people, let us do it the smart way, milieu, is ruination and death and destruction. Hello, wake up. Can we not just ignore them when they say they're smarter than us and do what's obviously simply morally the right thing? You know, they talk about how smart they are, but then they prove otherwise with everything they do. Well, what you know, what is the moral thing? And and to them, the moral thing, uh, one, they don't like words like moral. They, they just don't like words like moral that that doesn't that kind of puts them in a a box, if you will, uh, puts them in a place they don't like to be. They don't like to be smushed into that space. So they just, you know, that's what they don't like it. They just don't like it. Uh, so ultimately, 
everything becomes flexible. The, it's fuzzy. Everything's fuzzy. It's bendable, uh, except for their hatred of Christianity. And Judaism. And Judaism, yes. They, they don't like part that. part of why they're so supportive of Islam, because Islam utterly hates Judaism to the point where they can't wait to get enough power to destroy it and wipe it from the face of the earth. And I can't tell you that the Democrats don't really want that, because their support of Islam shows in a way that they do. They coddle Islam, they protect Islam from criticism, they avoid talking about the things Islam says and does that quite clearly prove its intentions, and they let it ride, and they try to tell us we're wrong and Islamophobic for pointing at the obvious dangers and problems of letting Islam have such a high profile in the world without opposing it on things that are clearly bad, and they tell us we're stupid and we're patriarchal and antiquated and we need to get out of the way of the smart guys. And what do the smart guys give us? Civil wars, thousands of Christians killed, girls abducted and raped, you know, tortures and refugees by the hundreds of thousands. I think they like the outcome of refugees because they want them all to be here and to increase the Islamic population in America. So it'll be a stronger political force. I think that's part of their consideration. They love Islam for no apparent reason except that Islam hates Christians and Jews. And, and so do they, strange bedfellows. Well, as Bibi Netanyahu, I'm reminded of this by my buddy Jerry from Pennsylvania. You know him well. We spent some time in Arizona together. Um, uh, Netanyahu says, we are not a rabbit, we are a tiger. And I love that. I love that sense of, you're not going to get us. You're not taking us out. Uh, we are divinely inspired. Uh, the Lord has protected us. He has set his hand upon us. And, and um, you know, we're, we're going to be good. We're not quitting. We're not giving up. We're going to tell the truth. We're going to fight. And we're going to fight to the death. And it's probably going to be your death. Uh, that sense of... <laughs> And I talk about, you're from, you know, I'm not going to say, well, let me, everybody knows you're from Texas. Um, but Texas, the state of Texas, one of the reasons I love going, anytime I get to go there, I love going there. The reason why I love going to Texas is because Texans are proud to be a Texan. And it's, it's, it's um, addictive. It's really addictive. Uh, my well, niece and nephew live before there. the federal government. States came before the federal government, so I'm kind of big on history. Texas, Texas was a great country before it was a great state, and I'd be happy, frankly, if it turned out that way again. <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. Uh, and so, you know, but but I, I think what I'm trying to say here is is that Texans are proud to be a Texan. They're not ashamed of it, and and they're in fact they're proud of it. And so, with Trump getting elected, I see some pride coming back in the United States of America. I see some people excited. I see some people saying, "Hey, it's about dead gum time." You know, let's it go all been Texas. a psychological beating of epic proportions on traditional patriotic Americans. These last eight years have been absolutely psychologically brutal, and it's no wonder you see. A little triumphalism, a little dancing in the streets, a little, you know, uh, kick in the step of people who have been walking around with shoulders slouched and head down for eight years thinking it was all over and nothing would ever be good again in America. Too many people came to believe that, and now there's an opportunity to believe that it can be restored or at least, you know, stop the bleeding. Hallelujah. It's time to do a little dance. 
Well, and you're right. You're right. And it's much like I remember the malaise, the uh, Carter year malaise. I was in the military during uh, Reagan, uh, but, you know, right after the Carter years. And I have to tell you, uh, it was a tough time. It was a really, really tough time to to be an American. It was a really, really tough time to be an American during the Carter years. But boy, when when President Reagan came into office, it, in fact, it seemed when just right after he got uh, inaugurated, boom, all of a sudden we have our hostages back. And, yeah. uh, I, you know, it was the guy tells you, you're going to he's going to make you a parking lot. You believe him. And, uh, and I believe weather, that the weather forecast for Libya today, 7000 degrees. I mean, I remember all the old jokes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, well, let me let me just ask you, you wrote this piece in uh, and I have to say, of all the stuff that I love to read that you write, this to me rattled me. Uh, and, you know, the stuff that you and, and uh, Andrea Shea King are writing about Pizzagate and Dave uh, Peterson and all, all the different people that are calling this information and getting in the fight. It's a real thing. I would have to have you on for the whole show to talk about that. And and that and I'll tell you the truth. I'm, I'm thinking about it um, because I think that America needs to understand that it's not some little joke of the left, you know, where it has something to do with just pizza. You know what I mean? I'll do what uh, I can, brother. I feel this one down to my bones, man. This has got to be stopped. Well, and and I'm and I'm uh, at some point we'll we'll uh, we'll go on a tear on that because America does need to know. But when you wrote this thing, and I don't know what led up to this because I tried to find it today and I, I just couldn't find it. But um, my logical proof that an unborn child is a human being. Some people have been ah. waiting for this, and I got. Go ahead. Yeah, it was a conversation uh, on on tangential subjects, and somebody finally got around to saying, well, why don't you do it? And I said, I will. So I was on the clock then. I said I'd do it the next day, and I got busy and failed, so I did it the day after that, and I started. So, so hold on a second. Hold on a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. All right. So all this person had to do to get you to do something was was send you a message. I've been trying to get you to write, write a book for four years. I've written what a book. It's do? been the last eight years on Facebook, and you've read the whole thing. <laughs> I have. I've read it all, and it was free. So uh, a, a college education for free. So you wrote this piece, and I really um, – I don't know if you've written part two, but you did a disclaimer to this, and, and then I'll let you kind of riff from there. Um, I do not and will never blame a young woman for anything like murder. I don't go there. I'm not about assigning guilt. I understand the pressure she's under, the elders she might be listening to who have this wrong, the angry father, the vanished boyfriend, the academic future up in smoke. I get it. And I do not blame a young woman for choosing this. She is told every day by authority that it is her legal right. My purpose, my purpose being Dave Perkins' purpose, but now it's my purpose. My purpose here is not to blame, but to clarify thought. It is a tragedy, no matter what. Whether she understands it or not, it does not restore the life you had. It changes your life forever in an awful way that you cannot yet imagine. I want to help, but I'm not here to accuse. I don't take it that way. Or if you're going to take it that way, no matter what I just said, do us both a favor and don't bother reading. Now, I will, I will say, uh, by the way, hello to Alaska. We've got uh, folks from Alaska listening today. It's awesome to have you listen. 
Um, I, I have never been the guy who wanted to throw rocks at women going in and out of the, uh, the, 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 the death chamber called an abortion clinic. I've never, ever been that guy, and, and I never will be that guy. Uh, I have counseled far too many people, and I, I'm intimately uh, aware of situations that people were in that at that point in time, they thought in their mind, this is all I can do. But one of the things uh, that I do say is that we've got to stop it. It's a business at this point, and there's there's an ideology behind the promotion of abortion. But what you said under your not, number one, the benefit of the doubt, it's the first time I have ever looked at it this way. The benefit really? of the doubt. Folks, I've never looked at it this way. I've never looked at the benefit of the doubt as as to how you kind of worked it out here. Maybe I've, I've kind of danced around it, but I, it, it never settled in on me like this. When I read this, uh, I did more than just stroke my chin, you know, my beard hairs on my chin and go, hmm. I, I high-fived you in the air and said, somebody put it plainly enough for me, even me to understand it. But would you mind elaborating on your thought of the benefit of the doubt? I'll be happy to. As, it, as it relates to, yeah. There are two or three arguments people make in favor of abortion, and they all come from a dishonest source, which is to say the feminist desire to turn their assumption that men and women are exactly the same. That's what they mean by equal. They mean exactly the same. And all, uh, that means the, the ability to live a life of random sex with no consequences. If you want the real truth of it, they believe men and women are equal spiritually, morally, and should be equal physically in terms of consequences, that it's unfair that women suffer consequences that men don't suffer when it comes to having sex. And so abortion seems like a sacrament to them because it is. Their belief It equates to a religious belief that men and women are equal, and the way they get rid of the consequences to assure that women are equal to men in every way, i.e. the inch-deep, mile-wide, superficial ability to fool around and not have consequences. They want that for themselves, these feminists do. And I'm not saying it's most of them. I'm saying it's where the thinking originates, and they're not honest about it. They come up with arguments instead. And one of those arguments is, you can't know, I can't know, science can't know, therefore nobody knows whether or not the unborn child is a human being. So... That's how they. That's how one of the ways they try to put you off of arguing against abortion. And I sat down and thought about that one day, and I thought, what happens in life when you're about to do something that may kill a human being, and you honestly don't know, and you can't find out? And so I came up with a. <laughs> it seems pretty easy, doesn't it, when you just put it that way? I came up sure. with a couple of scenarios. One. You're a hunter. I came up with that one because I know feminists will hate it because they're liberal. <laughs> you're, you're a hunter, and you're in the woods, and it's sundown, and the light is not great, and you have a license in your pocket to kill a deer, and in the bushes you see a patch of buckskin moving, and you go, Aha! My deer! I have permission to kill this. I paid for it. I went to all the trouble. I'm out here. There's my deer. I've got a chance. I've got to take this shot. So you line up the rifle, put your finger on the trigger, take a deep breath, and then realize, wait a minute, that might be a person in a brown jacket. It could be. 
You can't tell because all you see is the brown skin moving in the bushes in semi-darkness. And you tell yourself, it's time for you to shoot your deer. You're licensed. You have permission. All the circumstances tell you to shoot that deer except the nagging doubt in your mind that it might be a human being. Do you pull the trigger? Don't answer that. Second scenario, you're driving down the road in the dark. Your headlights lighten up the road in front of you. It's a windy night, and you see a trash bag, big black trash bag, flapping across the road in front of you, going the same direction as the wind. You assume, since the wind is moving the trash bag, that there's nothing in there but paper and light stuff, and so you decide not to swerve violently out of the way because you may hit the car next to you or maybe get in some other danger, and it would be better just to hit the trash bag and take the small chance that something in it might harm your car. But your instant observation tells you there's very little chance of that, so you make plans to just run it over, maybe with one side instead of both sides of the wheels. Now, in the last half second, it occurs to you maybe there's, maybe there's something in there moving, and that's why the bag is moving. Maybe somebody tossed out a sack of cats from their pickup truck, or maybe it's a kidnap victim in a trash bag rolling the bag trying to get out, trying to get away. At the last half second, Sean, you realize that the decision that you have made to run over that bag might kill a human being. Do you tell yourself, oh, well, it's just a trash bag. I'm in danger from the guy next to me in the other lane. I have every right to just stay in this lane and run it over. It might be a human, but I can't know. Nobody can know, and I have to decide now. You see, every kind of scenario you can imagine, the question, should I do it, becomes no, because it might kill a human being. So why address abortion with the argument that nobody can know whether it's human or not, therefore, let's kill it? Isn't that counterintuitive and kind of inhuman to you, Sean? It sure is to me. It, it really is. And, and so ultimately, what ends up happening uh, in this, in this uh, and I, like I say, I've, I've talked personally uh, and intimately with people who have been in, uh, who have had a, an abortion or who have been with a friend, went with a friend or uh, any number of circumstances surrounding, but they had intimate, intimate knowledge of it, uh, whether the person having the abortion or not. And in every conversation uh, like that, I, one of the things that I hear over and over is I, I just don't know. I was in, I was out of my head. I didn't think about this. I didn't think about that. Uh, it didn't come to me, you know, but years later, especially I, I had one person that I was very close friends with had four abortions that, that, oh. that I know of, that she disclosed to me. And that was probably before, I think before she was probably 20 years old. Now she's gone now. She's died of cancer. Uh, and she ended up a person of faith and everything I, everything that I can tell, she, she uh, really tried hard to turn her life around. But the fact of the matter is she had, that I know of four abortions, I think by, by 20 or before 20. And she had her own issues, some really serious stuff. And, and, uh, but, but ultimately it came down to this is that uh, it was a convenience thing. Now she was dating somebody that was abusive, uh, but not keeping her in the relationship. She always would go back to him and, uh, it was kind of moth the flame type of situation. And, um, she just, she just had a lot of problems, a very wealthy family. Um, uh, but she just had a lot of problems. And so, I asked her one time, I said, you know, when you go to sleep, do you see those babies? 
And then she started to cry. And I said, look, I'm not saying that to belittle you. I am saying it to make you feel bad because I have the sense that you're going to get more abortions. Why not prevent the pregnancy from happening in the first place? And she said, at the time that I've done this, you know, it was legal. There was no law against it. And I didn't feel like there was any other way for me. That responsibility for making it easy, for making it the easiest choice, lies on the what Rush Limbaugh would call feminazis, the handful, the dozen or so thought leaders in feminism who have spent all their time very carefully developing the language to fool you into thinking that it's the right and proper thing to do when their purpose is something entirely different from what they're telling you it is. And I will hold those women responsible for that kind of thought, you know, for the rest of their lives, and I'm sure God will too. But I can't hold a young woman responsible for confronting that piece of deceit with essentially a child's eyes and someone under 25 hasn't got a completely developed brain. You know, science tells us that. Making life and death decisions at that age under enormous pressure is almost always going to result in a wrong decision, and that's something that works in the feminist favor and in the abortion business's favor. I feel badly for them. I have known two women who had abortions, and both of them have cried on my shoulder. One literally, I'll never forget, driving past a schoolyard with one and having her ask me to stop the car and sit and look at the kids and then look at me and say, mine would be that age right now with tears pouring out of her eyes. I mean, it affects your life when you're older, and it affects the trajectory of your life in ways you can't predict and you can't understand. You think the crisis now is the worst thing that's going to happen to you. But the worst thing that's going to happen to you is you're going to gain weight and you're going to get drunk and you're not going to be able to keep a job and you're going to have trouble sleeping and your life is going to absolutely stink on ice because you're constantly depressed and you're not sure why. And that is why, because somewhere inside you, you realize what the heck you did, and it tortures you. Maybe not on a conscious level, but you can't just live a happy life and not have, not have your life affected by the fact that you chose to kill your own child. It's a real thing, as real as cancer, as real as, you know, uh, anything else that might, that might kill you and will bring you down slow and hard along the way. It's real. It's, it's medical. It's, it's PTSD. Everything that has to do with any other horrible experience in life also affects people who choose to kill their own children, even if they didn't understand it when they made that choice. Uh, it's interesting to me that the, uh, the, those on the left, the purveyors of the abortion industry, uh, they call it the choice industry, but uh, you know, it's the abortion industry. Um, even though even the same, these are the same people that defend the taking of organs uh, from the children. Uh, the, these these human beings taken while they're alive. Um, these are the same people. So they don't want. Uh, I know personally, we we've lobbied for different laws that would make it. Uh, you know, that they have to watch the person that's contemplating an abortion. Uh, they have to sign uh, an affidavit that they watched this video. And I think it's seven minutes. One is seven minutes. One is 12 minutes. And the other is 15. So they're not terribly long. But, you know, gosh, we don't want to hold you up, you know, seven, 12 or 15 minutes. from such a big decision as killing a child. But that that is fought so aggressively. And part of what's in the, those videos are the, the pictures 
uh, first we did live, you know, real photographs of living children, moving video. Uh, and then they said, no, you know, you got to use uh, still photos. You can't use, you know, moving video. And then they said, no, you have to use cartoons. And then eventually they just said, no, we're not going to accept it no matter what you do. And so they don't want to do that. But the left is always talking about education is so important. You know, always but they're the, in charge the of education, Sean. They're the ones who decide curriculum issues. They've run education for more than 50 years. Woodrow Wilson became president from a career as an educator. The left has been in control of education on purpose for way longer than your lifetime and mine. And that's why they say get an education, because they know that means hand your kid over to us so we can indoctrinate him. I'm serious about that. Education isn't what it used to be. Woodrow Wilson can be quoted as saying, the object of an education is to make a son as unlike his father as possible. And you extend the presumptive quote, and as like me as possible in the, in the thought words of the egotistical Woodrow Wilson. Education's a bad deal, and it has been as long as you and I have been alive, except for small, independent, little Christian colleges that still do it the old way. Ultrasounds. Ultrasounds ultimately are the game changer for this, and you'll never see a uh, pro-abortion leftist. You will never see any bigger fight than if you say, hey, we want to add something to this law. We want to make sure that they know what they're doing. So we're not going to make you watch a video. We're going to do something. Hey, wouldn't don't you want to know what's going on in there? You know, you're about to have a surgical procedure that you can die from yep. that can cause long-range health problems. Wouldn't, shouldn't we do this simple uh, procedure? I, I mentioned about uh, my uh, life-threatening blood pressure. When I go into the emergency room, one of the first things they do after they take my blood pressure and pick themselves up off the floor they do an ultrasound of my neck because they want to make sure that there's not a blockage in there. They right. don't want to give me drugs or anything until they go, okay, does this guy have a blockage? Is this what we're dealing with? It's simple. It takes what? Three minutes, four minutes for the whole thing. I mean, it's, it's not, yep. it's, it's not a big long thing, but then, you know, gosh, I'm going to have to see the baby moving and, and it looks like a baby and I'm going to have to hear the whoosh, 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 whoosh of the heart. So, look, don't mess me up. What, what amazes me, what amaze, this, this amazes me. I'm very passionate about this topic, as you, might, as you might discern. What amazes me, they, I'm often, you know, people will have very negative things to say about me because, you know, I'm, I'm pro-America and, and I'm and I'm not pro-Islam by any stretch. Um, I have very strong, well-founded, firsthand experience uh, to to lead me to that, as well as you know many many years of of scholarship and and academic study. Saying all that, to say this, they'll say, "Oh, you're a horrible person. You're terrible." You know, when you talk about the death penalty, that's terrible. Now, I, you know, I'll clarify for the audience that's never listened to me. I am pro-death penalty and very clear-cut cases, but I do not trust this current administration uh, all the way down to, you know, several states 
that still have the death penalty in the books. I don't trust the government to carry it out appropriately. I don't trust the government to uh, have a, a, a fair and good trial and 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 to be sure, absolutely sure that this person did kill these people, did kill the police officer, you know, uh, did rape and murder, uh, any of these things. And of course, everybody uh, that knows you knows that that your wife was murdered. Um, and yeah, so, and that guy and I, got off the death penalty thanks to a bunch of liberal lawyers in Ohio. They haven't executed him yet, and they won't, even though he got two death sentences in the trial. And I don't trust the state of Ohio to do the right thing any more than I trust Obama's federal government to do the right thing. But I can hope that changes are coming in the future. I'm told by liberals that being pro-death penalty and anti-abortion is inconsistent but I say, no, the baby is innocent and the man is guilty, and both of them get what they deserve. The baby doesn't deserve to die. The man does. Therefore, it's utterly morally consistent to be, as you are, pro-death penalty and anti-abortion. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the, that's the thing, and I guess that's Are you aware of what get... time it is, brother? I'm a little concerned your next guest is going to be shorted on time. Uh, let's see here. He comes on. Let's see here. No, no, he'll be he'll be good. He'll be good. Just he's making he's be sure. <laughs> I'm trying to be a Yeah, I appreciate guest. it. No, I appreciate <laughs> it. Thank you, brother. Um, so what I found, and I've always found this just exasperating, I guess. So many people on the left are anti-death penalty for people who committed the type of heinous crime that was committed to your wife. And but they are the same people who will wear a t-shirt. Kiss me, I had an abortion today. Yeah. And we'll scream, you know, women's rights, the women's health. This is this is the new watchword. Women's health. If they were that uh, worried about their health, maybe rights. they wouldn't have had sex with that guy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just say it. Well, and, and that's the tough thing. And I had somebody in chat just say that their daughter uh, had to have an ultrasound prior to an abortion that she had, and for her, it had little to no effect. Sometimes that's okay. true. The conscience can be seared. Sometimes our abilities as human beings to perceive moral and spiritual truth are dinged by the experiences we've had, and sometimes just by things that people have told us that we've believed. Like I say, a lifetime of telling little girls you have a legal and moral right to an abortion for your own health makes them believe it, and that's no surprise. And it's really hard to explain to somebody who doesn't have the conscientious background of understanding the sacredness of a human being, the right to life of a human being, and the thing that I do very well, the explanation that unborn children are human beings. That's the thing to get them over. They've been handicapped so much by what they've been told all their lives you really have to take the time. Your chances are you're not going to get them the first time. You may not get them the first year. Eventually, you might be able to swing them around, but it takes a certain amount of adulthood and experiences and perspective to get young women who've been so indoctrinated to get out from under that cloud. You know, I have to tell you, comments are pouring in, uh, messages all over uh, my reach here. And one of the things, one of the commenters, and we've got all kinds of comments, all all really um, powerful. I mean, just what I've been able to glance thus far. And uh, one listener says, I wish I'd, I wish it had been illegal for me, a minor at the time, to have an abortion. Um, she said she, it also wasn't without consequence. She got a horrible infection 
she didn't want to have one, but was being forced to have one. Yep. Uh, I talked to another person. Yep. Yeah, I talked to another person whose who's, uh, friend was, um, you know, got pregnant, uh, had very aggressive parents, uh, aggressive in the sense that they, they weren't very nice people. And if they found out she got pregnant, and I don't know her age at the time, but if they found out she was pregnant, they um, they really uh, would have lost it. I mean, and I don't know these people, but um, they really, this is what it was explained to me. And that um, it, it was a horrible experience even for the friend that took her. And I know a father who's, whose daughter got pregnant by a buddy of mine back in high school, and the father is the one that took her to the abortion clinic at 17. And I got a friend who told his wife to have an abortion because she asked him for a baby, and he told her no, and she got pregnant anyway, which he regarded as an insult to him and a, and a disobeying of his instructions to her. She asked him, and he said no, so she did it anyway. And the end result was he drove her to a clinic and forced her to have an abortion. And she was probably 35 at the time. I mean, it happens to everybody. Life pressures are terrible, and they can come from any direction. That's for sure. Uh, another person said uh, that they had an abortion. They wish they could undo it. But um, one, the, the only you know powerful thing, good thing that came from it is God used that experience and the, the tremendous guilt afterwards to bring her to him. We have another person that says the unfortunate thing is as a society is that we have destroyed the honorable roles of men and women to such an extent that sex and babies are unrelated. Now that's powerful. Now that's a powerful truth. Let me read that again. That Somebody ought to write that down. The unfortunate thing as a society is that we have destroyed the honorable roles of men and women to such an extent that sex and babies are unrelated. Sex Man. and babies are unrelated is what the feminists, the feminazis, what the thought leaders of the feminist movement want to be the normal assumption. They want women to have no more sense of consequence for, uh, for promiscuous sex than men have. The men have promiscuous sex and have no consequence. The women have promiscuous sex and after a short trip to the neighborhood clinic have no consequence. That's what feminists, thought leaders want, is for women to have no consequence for promiscuous sex. It's very shallow, very superficial, not helpful to women, not spiritually conscious, not anything at all is good for society, but it's what feminist thought leaders want because it's what happens when you give your life and your mind over to one issue everything becomes secondary to that one issue of uh, female equality to men and so they go to the extremes because there's nothing left in their mind no balance no assortment of other issues no classical liberal education where you think about everything all the time there's nothing to stop them from going off the deep end and they do and they consider it normal and they consider it a right and they get very very angry when people start tampering with it um i'm reminded of a poem uh when you talked about your friend who was in the car and she had you stop at a um, at a uh, playground. Yeah, it's called slow dance. Have Have you ever watched kids on a merry-go-round or listened to the rain slapping on the ground? Ever followed a butterfly's erratic flight or gazed at the sun into a fading light? You had better slow down. Don't dance so fast. 
Time is short, the music won't last. Do you run through the day on the fly? When you ask, how are you? Do you hear the reply? When the day is done, do you lie in your bed with the next hundred chores running through your head? You had better slow down. Don't dance so fast. Time is short and the music won't last. Ever told your child will do it tomorrow and in your haste not see his sorrow? Ever lost touch, let a good friendship die because you never had time to call and say hi? You had better slow down. Don't dance so fast. Time is short and the music won't last. When you run so fast to get somewhere, you miss half the fun of getting there. When you worry and hurry through your day, it's like an unopened gift thrown away. Life is not a race. Do take it slower. Hear the music before the song is over. Now, that uh, was written by a teenage girl who uh, had cancer and was given, she was, she was terminally ill, she had cancer and she was given six months to live. And this is, that's what she thought. And I thought about the, um, I, thought of, I thought about that first, very first line of watching kids on a merry-go-round. And I, and I wonder that reason the person got the abortion that was in your car, <coughs> excuse me, did, did it, was it, you know, at the time, the reason is so powerful, but sometimes it's not accurate. And I wonder right. if and in discussion... Right, a lack of perspective. Yeah, she had a lack of perspective. She believed that the problems she was facing were the biggest problems anyone had ever faced, and the pressure of getting the decision wrong would simply destroy and ruin her whole life and cause everyone that trusted and believed in her to distrust and dismiss her. She would lose her friendship. She would lose her elders' respect in her family, and life would be a slog and a grind, inability to earn money, a necessity to have much more, and an, and an accompanying inability because she didn't finish college and all that. Yeah, all the stories were there about how it was the best decision at the time. She could not imagine at the time, and she told me this later, that she would ever look 10, 15 years down the road and try to see what life would have been like if she'd have done it. And when she did start seeing that, from that point of view, from 10, 15 years down the road, she realized that she had been tortured subliminally on a psychological basis by this decision of hers all her life, and that it had ruined a lot of things that she took for granted. It, dis it disrupted her ability to focus in college, and she didn't do what she wanted to do there. It disrupted her ability to do jobs well. She was ill. She got into and out of bad relationships. And the whole story of her life, she realized when she was older, she could lay at the feet of that bad decision and see that it caused everything bad that happened to her. But there's no possibility that, that a, a young person facing the stress of that immediacy of that decision can think that far down the road and realize how much damage she's going to be doing to herself. But you know what? The pro-abortion thought leaders do know this. They know this very well, and they continue to lead young people astray. And it reminds me a lot of Jesus saying, the little ones belong to me. And on another occasion, it's better for you to have a millstone around your neck and be thrown into the sea than to lead one of my little ones astray. That's what the abortion industry does. That's what the thought leaders do. It's the ultimate cruelty, and it's got to stop. And I think I have a good way of explaining why they're wrong. And so I stick with it, and I pump it out every now and then, and I hope to make 
what I have to say more widespread and to learn from smarter people than me how better to do it than I do it because it's got to be done. We've got to save these young people from destroying their own lives when they don't even realize they're doing it. One of my uh, one of my dearest friends, I've uh, been, been close with him since, uh, gosh, I think 11 or 12 years, since he was 11 or 12, and a phenomenal preacher, great thinker. Uh, you would really enjoy a conversation with him. Um, he's only up in Memphis, so we could certainly uh, make that happen. But he writes, I wonder if churches should stop building gyms and multi-million dollar campuses and start funding foster or adoption initiatives for their members. Pro-life means more than pro-birth. Um, let, let me also add to that, let me also add to that, that in my book, uh, I do talk about the, the, the misplaced priorities of a lot of churches. I think we've got a church on this corner, church on that corner, church on this corner, that corner. This one has this, this one over here has that. Um, and they're all, you know, striving to, you know, if they would just gather together and say, Hey, you know what? How about this? Let's, let's not work against each other and be in competition here. Let's, and I'm talking about the same denomination, you know, first, second, third, fourth, eighth Baptist church. Um, and I talk about that, how, you know, it's it's wasted resources, really. But uh, he goes on to say, picket and protest, but then be prepared to help the children we hope to save thrive in the gospel. And then let's outspend the abortion industry. And, and, uh, and, and, and Jerry writes, sale of a baby. The sale of baby parts is big business. It's evil business, but it's big business. And uh, my buddy Dave uh, Peterson, I think you might know him. He, uh, <laughs> yeah, a good friend of mine. And he, um, I, I have to say, he does point out that it is indeed a, a, a huge industry. And so I, I know the thought process of the purveyors of this. They say, hey, we've got a D-God everything, because God is the conscience. God is the thing that makes us go, hmm, hmm, you know, I don't know. I don't it's know. It's as well for them to say, and I want to address this because I can, it's, um, it's deceitful for them to claim all you want is to have it born, and then you're not going to take care of it, and it's going to be miserable and have a terrible existence. Let us just look at any available statistical study, and none are, by the way, which tells you they don't want this information into the public. But I have complete confidence if a study was done as to whether leftists or conservatives adopted more children, I'd bet conservatives outdo leftists 100 to 1. I'd bet the desire to adopt is there. I bet the chief obstruction to adoption is bureaucracy, which is usually run by the left, hello, and that if they would clean that up and make it easy, they would find babies being adopted by the thousands in total consistent moral justification for anti-abortion stance. And the reason I think that adoption is so difficult, because the left, i.e. the state, does want to be in charge of whether babies that get born against their will as pro-abortion people get a good life or not. They want them to, to, they want to be in control of whether those babies get a good life so they can point to them later and say, look what a bad life they got. They're in an orphanage. They're going from foster to foster. See how bad this is? It would be better if they'd been aborted and not had to live through such a bad life, which the left gave them on purpose, by the way. I'm just saying. 
Well, my, my buddy, BJ, uh, I want to say he's adopted. He might be up to, I don't know, 15, 20. No, I'm just kidding. He's got five children, and all of them are adopted. Now, I'm going to say the luckiest kids, and they've got a little baby now, um, the luckiest kids in the world are the ones that uh, BJ and Amy, the Lord leads them to that baby and says, let's adopt this child. The luckiest baby in the world is going to be that baby. I'm telling you. Um, I looked at, I went out uh, to help bury uh, Mr. Maxwell, BJ's father uh, in the summer. It was about 900 degrees in Memphis. And, um, and I have to say, it's my first time meeting the little baby. And all I could, all that was in my mind was little one, you are the luckiest 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 you you really are the luckiest god has smiled on you um i don't know what kind of life you came out of i don't know what kind of hope you had but the lord has smiled on you and and this family will put you on a trajectory that you could have never imagined and i'm telling you i looked at every one of his children uh he and amy's children each one of them adopted from different circumstances and, and I know what they go through to adopt. First of all, I, let me say this. There needs, there needs to be, it needs to be difficult in the sense that there needs to be a, a reasonable process to weed out crazy people out of the adoption process. However, what it is in the United States of America is egregious. It's egregious. And so expensive, so atrociously expensive. Uh, you know what? I don't know how much they've spent. I've never asked him, but I'm sure it's a whole lot of money. Uh, and uh, and so I don't know. I don't know what it would cost. I, I don't know what it would cost for that. But I have friends that have adopted when uh, Russia. Um, okay, here we go. He's he's laying some knowledge on me. Abortions cost a few hundred and a few minutes. Adoptions cost twenty thousand plus in many many months. Yep. And um, and that that is that is the crazy thing. Our, our guest after you, I don't know if you ever heard of him, Mitchell Gerber. Um, we're going to talk about the organ harvesting, and I have to say, um, I, I look at the Democrat Party and the left in general, and and there's some element of pity that I have for them. There there is, because I think, wow, what a hopeless, sad way to live. You've got no hope in Christ. You think you've got it all figured out. You think. You know, you, you just, you don't need God. You don't need uh, the community of believers. You don't need any of that stuff. You just, you've got you and that's all that matters. And you're so smart. If you can't figure out how God created heavens and earth, nature, nature's God, well, then it couldn't have happened. And, and the Bible does hold us responsible in a, a scripture in the Old Testament that I naturally forget because I'm a lousy Bible student, but I know it's in there. Bible holds us responsible for looking around us, seeing what he has made, and knowing that he exists and that he made all this. The Bible holds yeah. us responsible for it. One of the authors of one of the Old Testament books says, that's it, God's not going to accept as an excuse that you didn't realize he was there. You saying he doesn't exist or he didn't make all this or he doesn't matter is an insult to him that he will hold against you forever unless you get reconciled through Christ with him. And so a lot of leftists, I think, are going to be shocked to discover when they go to judgment that they're going to be held accountable for something that they believed all their lives. But 
I think in a way they kind of forced themselves to believe it through their through their ego and their arrogance that it's more more a part of human sinfulness than than intellect to believe or disbelieve particular things that that they begin with a a pride that makes them deny God out of an attempt to glorify self, and then that creeps into their intellect, and they defend it as a belief. But it's not really a belief. It's more like a characteristic of sinful nature. That's a different set of analyses, but it does put the left in a bad way. I say I was the same way. I didn't deny God. I just didn't understand, and I would have been held responsible for that. Thank God one day it got through to me, and I worked it out. It wasn't because I'm so smart. <laughs> Well, I tell you, it's um, I, I I look at I, I don't know, was it 2008? I don't know if you were were you down in Tampa in 2008 at the uh, the the um, the Democrat or the it was a Republican convention, and then right after was, that, uh, well, after that, I went to uh, Charlotte to the Democrat National Convention, and I have to tell you that was the one where they fought so hard, 34 times to strike. Any mention of God or faith or Christianity uh, or Judaism from any any mention from their platform at all? No, you know they they just wanted to de god the whole Democrat Party, and it's interesting I to remember me. It because, well. Yeah, wasn't that something? And well, but I don't understand. Well, well, the crazy thing is 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 that the left says uh, vehemently. You know, they'll they'll lie and then they'll each swear to it. Uh, but the left will swear uh, that something is true, and obviously it's not. And what they do, and, and I don't know, I, sometimes sometimes I hear it, and I, I think I can't be hearing what I'm hearing, the stuff people are saying now about the election. We talked about the Electoral College. We talked about all those things. But, but the lie, the lie which is uh, not just abortion, but the whole whole leftist platform they'll they'll actually say uh which now most people sadly on the right actually believe that uh that racism and slavery is a is a republican institution they'll say that um uh, that they're the most generous people the left is generous democrats are generous when in fact when we look at all the the statistics we look at it for dollar for dollar Conservatives are far more generous. The difference is conservatives do it uh, voluntarily with a cheerful heart. The left has to be forced to give through taxation. And, and even then, they want to use all of the, the, the loopholes that are in the tax code. So they'll, they will say this. They'll say all these things. And for them, they're, they're believed. They're believed by people on the left. And Sadly, people on the right, uh, they'll say that socialism is this. No, you're wrong about um, you're wrong about Fidel Fidel Castro. No, he was a he's he is a um, what do they call him. The left loves to call him a, a freedom fighter, a uh, standing for standing against. I don't know Jill Stein. We would sure like for her to go away. I don't I don't know any person that I know that would ever go to her as a doctor, but. I don't know what kind of doctor she is, but Lord knows. My goodness. I mean, it's just, why would anybody trust this woman with anything even close to their life? Uh, but but she's, she makes statements, and, and on the left, they make statements all the time, simply not true. 
It's the same way about the abortion industry. They will make well, the statements. The left says one thing one day and another thing another day because they have underlying agendas that they don't tell you. It's my opinion, mm -hmm. and I've worked this out six ways from Sunday, that the main thing the left wants is to exterminate all traces of Judeo-Christian history and tradition, all traces of God-influenced society. Everything that God did, every uh, nod of the head to God for tradition, every obedience of God's will that gets put into practice as part of government, every, everything about Judeo-Christian Western civilization is something they dislike for one reason or another. One group dislikes one thing, another group dislikes another thing. In the end, what they want is to get rid of the influence God has had on the world for 5,000 years. They don't want there to be a commandment that says, thou shalt not murder. They want to be able to. They think human beings aren't worthy of sacred protection and the right to be alive. That's something Jefferson wrote that comes from the Bible and Christian philosophers, and they don't like it. It comes from God, and they don't like it. They say man is no more than a highly developed animal, and maybe he'll develop more, or maybe some other animal will develop and pass him, but he's not worthy of any more consideration than any other animal. And then they turn around and say, man kills animals for food, he's got to stop. Those animals get more consideration than man does, who now has to face population control people that say man should be killed or should kill himself because we need to reduce the population on the planet. The left is schizophrenic and totally inconsistent. For example, they say DNA is what makes a human being. DNA. Every code is unique. Every code is a combination of a mother and a father. You can't tell there's a human being until there's DNA. But then you ask them about an unborn child, which has the very same DNA as it has at age 15 and 50 and 95, and they'll tell you there's no way to know whether that's a human being. But the truth is the same definition applies to it scientifically from the left at, uh, at the age of six weeks gestation as it does at the age of Six years in kindergarten, the same definition. DNA makes a human being a totally unique set of coded instructions that operates like software and creates a biomass with sentience and all the things that they would say science says makes human beings. DNA is it. But they'll tell you DNA is the only way to know it's a unique human being until they're talking about an unborn child. Then they'll tell you DNA has nothing to do with it because, look, it doesn't have a brain. It's just a clump of cells. <laughs> It cracks me up how inconsistent they are. Well, uh, I I think about this. I think about this when uh, when and and I some people are asking me why in the world would you ever go to the uh, Democrat National Convention? Because you gotta you gotta go in and see what they think. See see what they're actually saying when they think they're the only uh, the only people the only, listening to themselves. Yeah, when they're when they're yeah when they're when they're they think they're safe. I, I, that's the word I'm looking for. When they think they're safe. Well, they were when gathered they together in great numbers in a room that honored them and leaders that spoke to them as wonderful people. And when it came time to say what they believed, well, they felt like saying what they believed, which was get mm -hmm. God off our platform. There is no God. We hate God. And how quickly their leaders completely changed their minds on that one and had them revote and let them all know if they voted that way again, there would be deep doo-doo coming down on them from above. It went over like a lead balloon, and they fixed it, but the people in the room sure thought they had the chance, finally, like I say, to get rid of God 
from the political platform. They hate God, Sean. They hate what he did. They hate that he made man, and they hate that he made woman to be man's companion from a rib. They hate the the secondary sense, the the sense of not being the primary one belonging to the woman. Everything about what God did, they hate. And one way or another, all their groups get around to trying to dispense with what God did and said on their particular issue. Hmm. Wow, that, that'll that preach right there. Um, I, I want to just finish up with this. Uh, you know, there's a meme that goes around uh, pretty frequently since the election. Uh, Donald Trump, the man that gave up his billionaire lifestyle to be humiliated, ridiculed, and slandered in order to save the American people. We talk about the left lying, uh, just saying whatever, and, and then it's they echo, you know, it's, it's just one big, huge echo chamber. They, and, and, but the problem is that echo leaks out. It, it leaks out into uh, our society, the conservatives, and, and sadly, it, it sways some easily swayed folks. Um, but think about this. The, the guy is a billionaire, whether he's a, a 10 billionaire or a one billionaire, I don't care which. I've never had 11 zeros after anything I've ever achieved. It's just it's just not something I've ever done. Um, this guy has done it. And, and it's inarguable that, you know, on, ahead of schedule and under budget, you know, that's his thing. And he's managed to do this. And, and he lives in utter opulence. Um, I know several people on his security team, and I, and I know what kind of life they live as a result of, you know, working for him, protecting him. And so uh, I know that them giving up the way that they're living, all of them, because it's the, it's the kids all the way down. To, and what's, what's amazing to me, the left is just so untethered to anything holy. Now they're picking on uh, Baron, who is, uh, he's, what is he, 12 years old? I think he's 10 or 12, and he's 5'10". Yeah, they're calling him autistic and all that stuff. It's amazing. Sure. Yeah, meanwhile, the kid's a brilliant kid. He, you know, it, it's really ridiculous. Not that there's anything wrong with being autistic, but they're using that. They're supposed to be loving, kind people. They're using that to take a shot at Donald Trump. I don't think they know what they're messing with. I don't. I don't think they know who they're dealing with. I think, you know... It's just, it's egregious to me, but the truth of the matter is this guy said, hey, you know what? I'm scared America is going to fall apart. And I don't, I don't agree with everything with this guy. I'm not, it's not a, this is not a 100% endorsement of everything Donald Trump, although he has my full support and I will support him as long as he serves in the office. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is I do know that he lives an opulent, beautiful life. I mean, his life is incredible. Uh, he was asked about uh, recently about, uh, you know, what it's going to be like to go into the White House. And uh, would it be a step down? And he was asked by an interviewer who was a friend of his. And and uh, he kind of stopped for a second and said, you know, there is indeed a, a, a significant difference in my, my lifestyle. It'll be different. It will be different. Uh, you know, how I live is state of the art, you know, the best of the best. But he said, I don't consider uh, staying in the people's house a step down for me. In fact, I consider it the greatest honor probably anyone could have. And, and I was impressed by that. But the guy doesn't have to face any of this, not a bit of it. He doesn't have to face being called a racist. He was never called a racist for 30 years that I could find. I've never found that. 
Um, he was never, you know, yeah, he's a, he's a, a ladies man, a womanizer, all that stuff. I get it. I, I get all that. Um, but the left believes what they say or they don't believe what they say, whether they believe it or they don't believe it doesn't matter. And the thing is, is you look at the lies that they're telling about Donald Trump and the things that surrounding the election and, oh, this happened and that happened. We have on video the last election, the uh, Black Panthers, new Black Panthers in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania with their billy clubs smacking their hands and black, you know, military fatigues, threatening not not black people, white people. The white people going in, those are the ones that were, you know, they tried to intimidate. And later, oh, the video of the little right. skinny guy walking around the streets with a megaphone saying, kill all the cracker babies. You remember that? That was the same yep, guy standing in front of the voting booth. Shabazz, yeah. It's just incredible. And so we have that, and we say, well, nothing to see here. Eric Holder, nothing to see here. There's nothing to see. No, that's not intimidation. But now Holder's they wife, want to claim, by the way, was the owner of a very high production, large money abortion clinic for many years. Oh, no I doubt. don't think she still owns it, but Holder's wife was making the dough from the abortion industry like hardly anybody else in America. She was rich from abortions. And that means so was he. Yeah, amazing. I just, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I've, I've talked to so many people who um, have had abortions, who, who were closely involved uh, with someone's abortion. And I have to say, uh, the ones that have come through that with an open mind and clear perspective, and they've all, they've all said to me the same thing. If I had it to do all over again, I don't care what it would cost me. I, I don't care what it would cost me. I'd have the baby. And even if I had to, had to give that baby to another couple who couldn't have children, uh, who, or who were in a better place to, to serve this child and, and to ensure a great life for this child, I would have. I would have gone through the ridicule. I would have gone through all of these things. And and thank God for that change of mind and heart. But Amen. I, for for me, um, for me, I, I have to say, I pray for those people all the time. I pray for them all the time. I pray for their heart. I pray that that God would heal them. I pray for the ones that are unrepentant as well, that, that somehow or another, they're celebratory about the whole abortion. Um, that That's the seed of the gospel, this, the, the beautifulness of God would drip in, somehow get in through Whatever it is, whatever it is, it, you know, I, I don't know how it gets in, but it gets in. He says, he, you know, it does it and the, the truth will set him free and all these things. And I pray that it will. But the fact of the matter is, is words that you write make a difference. I know there are a lot of people uh, who would say, you know, I would say that maybe my book was was a waste of time in many respects. I didn't have an editor. I didn't have money for that. I was 38 days out from a... Um, from a horrible crash that should have killed me. And in fact, we're learning from the first two firemen that were there that it did kill me. And ultimately, I look at your words, I read your words, and I have to say, you know, write on, speak on, uh, keep, it, it's not a waste of time. It's it's not, it's, it, it, it is, believe you me, it's it's worth it. And you're helping people and you're blessing people. Uh, and And I know, from 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 my heart to yours, 
trust me when I tell you, um, keep writing and keep sharing because I know you think and you research and you're very extremely well read. Uh, that's important stuff. It's, it's certainly by no means a waste of time. I have, a, I have several friends that are excellent artists. I have one in particular who is just kind of disgusted with the art industry and it's so, you know, fine art, so heavily gay. And this person is a, a strong conservative and what, but was extremely liberal. And I have to say, this person uh, is dealing with a hard time, really, you know, a lot of pressure. And the fact of the matter is, uh, they said to me this this one particular time, I'm, I'm wasting my time painting. For what? For people who have enough money to pay for fine art to pop some picture up on the wall. And I said, you know, here's the thing. As I've prayed for you, paint what God tells you to paint, and he will handle the finances. And I would say that same, not that you need any advice from someone like me, but I would say, write what God tells you to write, speak what God tells you to speak, and he will handle all of it. Dave, thank you so Amen much for the honor of having that. you on the show. Thank uh, you, brother. I'll remind a, you again, next time you introduce me, remember the principle under promise and over deliver. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've more than over delivered today. So as always, so I know our, our audience really appreciates it. And, and certainly, uh, Thank you for taking time. I know you're a busy guy, and, and I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, brother. Glad to do it, Sean. Thank you. Bye. So, you know, could that be a better time? I mean, that's just, that's well-invested time. Anytime you're, I have, I'm so blessed. I said this the other day. I'm so blessed to have the friends that I have. I am just really, really a, a blessed and lucky man. Well, folks, I'm, I'm bringing on now, uh, He's he is a brilliant uh, he's from South Africa. Uh, he's a researcher of the illegal forest organ harvesting industry, and it does exist. Uh, and and Mitch uh, Mitchell Gerber has spent years going into, and, and this is this is a tough thing. I'm sure this has uh, had quite a quite a, a really really powerful impact on you, uh, seeing the things, these inhumane things, these just evil things that human beings will foist upon another human being. Um, and I know, you know, President-elect Donald Trump is always decrying the currency manipulation by the Chinese government, bad trade deals. But listen, folks, you don't even know. You don't even know the worst of it. It's really, really horrible. So, Mitch, do we have you there? Hi, Sean. There you go. There's my familiar uh, South African accent. How are you doing, brother? I'm good, buddy. How are you doing? Thanks for having me I'm on. I'm doing good. Oh, it's my pleasure. Now, first, I want to—I just want to ask you a couple of questions. This is this is something that I would say ninety-five percent of the people in the country, and I know you're going to talk about it, but I want to kind of know how did you come to this? This is not something that you just—you uh, say, "Hey, you know, I'm going to look in to see if there's organ harvesting." It, how did you come to learn about this? I was studying at the University of Georgia, and I was studying international business and. I've always been in martial arts. I've always been a God-fearing man. I've always, I like the the modalities, especially from China. Very intriguing ways they look at the body and the mind and how they use different kinds of energy techniques and spiritual techniques um, to clean the body out and bring a more of a peace of mind. So I was very interested. I was doing yoga at the time, and I came across this mind mind and body practice, this uh, spiritual holistic exercise and meditation practice 
uh, called Falun Gong. And mm-hmm. not many people know about the Falun Gong because they've been so persecuted and so concealed in China for what is happening towards them and to their bodies uh, being killed for their organs, basically. And these five exercises and uh, stretches that unblock the energy channels and are really good for the body, make the body, the body, the blood circulate better, makes you breathe better, less anxiety. Whether you're Christian, Jewish, Muslim, Catholic, Christian, atheist, you're a human being, you have a human body. These uh, Falun Gong exercises are beautiful, are great for the body. And uh, the philosophy is basically to be more truthful and compassionate and tolerant to three universal principles. Anyway, cut a long story short. I uh, got to uh, follow the, the Falun Gong closely. I, I always was interested in in uh, human rights and reporting and journalism and got to learn about this practice and uh, I was just, you know, offered a free class, I went and did some stretches and my body felt great, you know, and I came back and I saw Amnesty International, uh, which uh, is one of the leaders in the world in exposing human rights, supporting this practice uh, as, uh, as a uh, practice that has been brutally persecuted and I got more involved and got to uh, uh, find out find out that the Falun Gong uh, between 2001 and 2006, 60,000 uh, Falun Gong practitioners were killed for their organs and now uh, the reporters and the investigators have come out that say hundreds and thousands have been sent to death camps, their organs cut out of their bodies while alive the organs then removed, sold forcefully, and the bodies then burned in the ovens and the crematories to conceal the evidence. This has been going on for the last 16 plus years. One quarter of China's gross domestic profit at least uh, has been used to, uh, to eradicate uh, the Falun Gong from the shores of China. And the, the leader of the, uh, the, the communist regime, to show you and to share with your listeners how serious and dire this was, that uh, the communist regime's leader, who many are not familiar with. They know Hu Jintao, they know President Xi, but the mastermind, the evil head of the military t- t- dictator of the communist regime in the 1990s, Jiang Zemin, he basically eradicated, uh, launched a campaign to eradicate it, and he ordered that um, the Falun Gong uh, are ruined, uh, uh, their reputations are ruined, bankrupt them financially, destroy them physically, and if they're killed, just claim that they are died from suicide. So I got very into this and took it upon my my my, my work and a calling from the heavens, from God, to expose this. And I'm grateful to be on your show uh, doing just just that. Well, it's uh, it's it's an honor to have you on here. I know you've called in several times before, and and uh, you know as as you well know, we we get uh, the phone thing is always lit up from start to finish. And I very rarely ever take calls just because I don't have a screener and I can't be sure of, you know, what somebody's going to say. And I don't want to have somebody say something very inappropriate. Uh, but I sense the first time you called, oh, this guy is, this is a lot deeper, a lot deeper channel with this guy. So, um, you know, I appreciate you taking the time to go through my vetting and all of that. Now, uh, you talked about Falun Gong, and I am familiar with that. But if you were to listen to uh, back maybe 15, 20 years Maybe, maybe a little less than that. The the American government or the American media was reporting on Falun Gong as though they were a cult, and that in China China was cracking down on this cult because this cult was doing terrible things. 
uh, and they even describe them as terrorists. And I watched several uh, news clips on you know the ABCs, NBC, CNN, stuff like that, and they were describing them as terrorists. And I thought to myself, well, wait a second, they're the opposite of that as far as I can tell. Um, but I'm getting asked a lot of questions uh, right now, and, and that is, by the way, they're wanting to know, can you speak up just a little bit? It's just a little bit, um, a little bit difficult to hear you. Um, why does this issue affect people who have nothing to do with China? You know, like Falun Gong, uh, and Falun, uh, they're also known as Falun Dafa. Uh, why should people who don't live in China, why should they care? Well, the first, can you hear me now? Am I better, Sean? A um, little better, yes. Okay. The first thing I would say is, well, aren't you a human being? Don't you breathe the same blood, breathe the same air, believe the same blood, have the same organs? Can you imagine if your family was just woken up in the middle of the night and your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your cousins, your aunts, your family, your colleagues, your best friends, just taken out from their homes, thrown into uh, police vans, taken to uh, concentration camps, their organs cut out of their bodies because they refused to give up their spiritual belief, but even worse that, than that. The irony of it is, Dr. Sh Dr. Greener and everyone listening, is that if the communist regime thought Falun Gong and slandered Falun Gong as such an evil cult and such a sinister religion and such a terrible thing, then why after 16 years have they been killing them for their organs and selling them as the most healthiest organs in the world? If this is right. such a sinister cult, you know? That's what I tell every Chinese person, and I've talked to some political professors who have bowed to the Chinese communist regime for money. And that's very unfortunate because the biggest thing I have fought against is the indifference and the cowardliness, particularly from the left, the communist leftist liberals. They have really, really, really taken on this agenda of the communist regime to censor uh, speech, take away guns, uh, stop anyone that tries to offend their agenda. And this is exactly out of the playbook of communist China, as Mr. Summers, Jerry Summers, was saying in the chat room, and I was just sharing. It, it, the democratic platform, if you want to, and I'm not going to be political here, but I have seen the reason why CNN, ABC, NBC have labeled the Falun Gong as terrorists and have gone to and chosen to side with the communist regime in labeling the Falun Gong as terrorists, while on the back burner, killing hundreds and thousands of them in death camps and killing them for their organs. Because you know what? It is the responsibility, Sean, and to everyone out there who's listening, it is the responsibility for every human being to choose to stand on the right side of destiny. Because when God really truly shows you his manifestation and vividness right in front and asks you, where were you? Where were you? What side did you stand on when they were asking for help? Simply to expose it, and you kept quiet, and you, saw, you, you refused to see any evil. You were defending the liars. You were being bribed by the communist regime. You were playing as their puppet and their mouthpiece to slander good people when you knew it was wrong. So I say to every human being, do not turn your black behind us and don't think because this is, not ha this is happening a million miles away, it cannot happen to you. Well, that, that, is, um, that is absolute facts. We're all accountable for it. And honest to goodness, we, we, can't, we cannot pretend we don't know. We, no, we, we really we, we can't pretend. It's, it's just one of those things. And it comes down to this that uh, at some point or another, 
we will be held accountable. And and uh, I have to say, you know, it, it is interesting to me how they are willing. How do I put this? They're, the left is willing to support something like this. Uh, you know, the, the abortion industry, it's, it's not... It, it it doesn't represent reality. It, it is reality, but it doesn't represent reason to me. And neither does, now I understand why they're doing it. I understand, um, you know, the Falun Gong, very healthy people. You, you hit it right, you know, out of the park when you said it's, they, you know, they, they want these people, this specific people, because they're the healthiest people in China. The way they live uh, their life is very healthy. Their, their faith and, and, and any of that stuff, I, I'm not, you know, the practices of faith, I, I don't know enough about it to, to go into great detail, but I do know that they, they minded their own business. They, they were healthy, healthful people. And the government of China said, hey, you know, we need good, healthy organs. Let's go get these. Well, let's flip that to the United States. And the question, the first question is, well, why does this issue affect people who have nothing to do with China? Part of it is, Hey, isn't this pretty similar to the to the the leftists here in this country who say, "Hey, no problem, get as many abortions as you want." And oh, by the way, we might be taking some of the organs out of the aborted fetus. Exactly. Not that. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I couldn't agree now, more. Now, who who has controlled China for the last fifty plus years? The official uh, name for the communist dictatorship, the gangster regime, the reign of terror, as it has been called as well, is the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP. And there is a great publication that was released in 2004 called The Nine Commentaries on the Communist Party. The Nine Commentaries on the Communist Party is, for any avid reader, an insight behind the Red Wall of China exposing the communist dictatorship, showing how it has murdered between 60 and 80 million of its own people, wiped out and decimated and destroyed 5,000 years of its divine traditional culture, killed millions of innocent Chinese girls, funds most of the known terrorists in this world, the North Koreans, the Janjaweed regime in, the, in, in Sudan that Petro-China and Warren, Buff Warren uh, Buffett has uh, stakes in, and to name a few. So the Communist Party, this reign of terror, and I do implore people who would like to learn about this, the nine commentaries on the Communist Party, is you can watch it on YouTube and the book, it exemplifies the exposure of the Communist regime. Under the Chinese Communist Party, under Mao Zedong, 40 million plus were murdered, and all through the ranks, up until Jiang Zemin, and even further, between 60 and 80 million uh, 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 people murdered. Now, with Falun Gong, because it became the largest spiritual movement in China, between 70 and 100 million people by 1999, Jiang Zemin and the communist regime became very fearful and threatened by the overwhelming power and the popularity of the Falun Gong where all the Politburo members and their families, the highest-ranking generals, the professors, the politicians, lawyers, doctors, from the highest to the lowest classes, were practicing Falun Gong every morning before they went to school, went to work, went to cabinet, cabinet ministry, wherever they were in the world, wherever they were in China. 
and it was also uh, uh, spreading throughout the world. Jiang Zemin, because of his jealousy and hatefulness that he couldn't control the amount of people they were practicing, launched the persecution and crackdown in 1999, and even established a 610 office, which is a Gestapo-type agency, on June 10, 1999, that sits right on top of the, of the party system. And this is what the nine commentaries will, will share with your readers. There is a party system, and there's a government system. The party system is about to collapse in China, but with the communist regime's collapse, the government system is, will, will still remain intact, but what will happen is it will change into a new democracy of China, more like Taiwan, which I take my hat off to, to President Trump-elect for, for, for calling and breaking protocol to talk to the Taiwanese president and, and wish her well on her journey as the new president and, 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 and him too. That really angered China, and good for him for doing that. He had the cojones to do that, and that, and that shows guts, because China is under terrible threat. It is, it is the number one threat. It's the beast from the east. Even in Revelations, the red dragon, it is the number one threat to, to, to American democracy. That's what the Rockefellers wanted. That's, what Mao, that, that, that's why they funded Mao uh, uh, in 1949 when the communist regime came into power. And other, uh, other globalists, uh, George Soros, that's why the left has become really powerful, because they want America to just be destroyed. They want to rip the, 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 the fabric of the nation, one nation under God. They want to rip uh, uh, and cast out God, cast out the divine, rip away the Constitution, destroy the very sovereignty that this, this country has, has stood for, and they want to make it into communist China. And that's why I believe, and I'm not going to get political, but I, this is just what I see as prophecy, what I see as, as truth, God saved us from the devil when he put Trump in. Now, whether Trump is going to do it or not, I want to give him a chance. I don't know what he's doing, where he's going to go. I have, that's not up to me. That's not up to me. But what I know is, as a man of God, as a spiritual warrior, and someone that has been on the case in a long time, a true truth seeker, is that God saved us from the devil, and, he will do, and God will save us even more from the devil when the communist regime collapses in China. But, for, but, 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 but in terms of what the Communist Party is, Sean, it is the most evil regime. You know, and before I finish uh, 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 sharing with you about the communist regime, on to the next question, because I know we haven't got much time. There is a saying in history that many empires, many regimes, many kings, queens, dictators, whatever, they, 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 they killed in order to conquer. The Chinese Communist Party conquered in order to kill. Mm. Wow. So uh, let me ask you this. So many questions. I know our audience is, I, I told you this will blow your mind. It's, it's, it's unreal. What, what exactly is the forced organ harvesting all about? Um, and, and you've said that it's a new kind of evil that has not existed on this planet before. And I mean, that's a huge thing. And I'm, and I'm, you know, I, you provided me with links and, and all these things. And I, and I have to say, I was, there's not much that'll appall me, to be honest, at this stage of my life. But I was appalled by what I saw in those links. And I put it in the advertising for my show because I really felt very strongly that, look, you people need to see this. It's just like the, the videos of, of Muslims chopping people's heads off. Uh, drowning people, you know, alive, burning people alive, you know, stoning women to death, throwing uh, suspected gays off of roofs. You need to watch it. And, and, and like the beheadings, 
you need to watch these things. You say, well, I don't want to watch that. It poisons my mind. Um, you, you've, until you see this, you won't believe it. And you certainly won't do anything. We talked before, um, we talked before you came on with uh, Dave Perkins that, um, you know, the abortion industry in America doesn't want women and men, quite frankly, to look at the videos, to look at the ultrasounds, to do all those things. Because once once you've seen it, and you alluded to this a moment ago, once you've seen it, well, you can't claim you haven't seen it. Once you've seen it, you're responsible. <coughs> Dave, uh, Dave Perkins and I have talked about this several times. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, so, so have... what is the forced organ harvest? I mean, how do they get the people? What, what, how do they get these people? Mitch, how do they get them? They just kidnap them just off the street? Absolutely. <coughs> you see, when, when Falun Gong became the largest spiritual practice uh, and, and movement in China, the communist regime slandered it, outlawed it, and, and persecuted it. And then when the allegations started to come out that there was forced organ harvesting, basically hundreds and thousands of Falun Gong sent to death camps, their organs cut out of their bodies while alive and then sold as, uh, healthiest, as the healthiest organs in the world, 120,000 for a lung, 54,000 for a kidney, 60,000 for a heart. David Mattis and David Kilgore, David Mattis and David Kilgore, uh, David Kilgore is the former Canadian cabinet minister and crime prosecutor, uh, of the Canadian Parliament, and David Mattis is an international human rights lawyer. They confirmed the allegations in their book, basically their report that became their book, Bloody Harvest, and people can, can go uh, on, on, on stoporganharvesting.org to find more information or just look up Bloody Harvest on, uh, on, on Google. These two gentlemen confirmed the allegations that between 2001 and 2006, between 45 and 60,000 organ harvesting were committed. Then Ethan Gutman came in, and he basically, a China analyst and an award-winning investigative journalist, his book, which I truly also urge people to go to, uh, to pick up uh, you know, uh, um, at Amazon, called The Slaughter, they uh, confirmed, and we have to be very careful with the, with the, with the, with the numbers, they're much higher than expected. But for now, hundreds and thousands of Falun Gong practitioners have been killed for their organs. And the evidence is very, very uh, striking. I mean, it's confirmed more and more evidence is coming out of the organ sources, the wait times, the persecution of the Falun Gong, where before the persecution of the Falun Gong, their organ transplants were rare in China because the actual Chinese person that believes that they should enter into the afterlife whole. With no with no with no uh, 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 donations of organs or anything, they want to keep their bodies whole as possible. Um, but after the persecution, with millions millions of Falun Gong arbitrarily detained, the industry of organ harvesting exploded. You also have record record admissions. How do we know what's going on? Is because one of the one of the uh, 34 pieces of evidence that David Kilgore and David Mattis and Ethan Gutman worked so hard in uh, in sculpturing is that in phone calls with undercover investigators, Chinese doctors and nurses admit to using organs of Falun Gong prisoners of conscience. And then there's also medical exams, profit motive. This is a multi-billion dollar industry, Dr. Greener, and for everyone that's listening. This has been going on. They're too deep in it. And when the world really comes to find out about this new form of genocide, which has been coined by Ethan Gutman and David Mattis, 
it's going to solve the world. There's never been something like this. It's a new form of genocide, and also on such an unprecedented scale, scope, and magnitude. I was on uh, Infowars with Alex Jones the other day with Leanne Macadu, the beautiful presenter Leanne Macadu, which was very, they were very gracious to allow me to speak for eight minutes. But I've contacted CNN, I've contacted NBC. None of them have come back to me yet. So it shows a kind of irony that I love how the, it's funny how the fake news will slander the real news as the fake news. But actually the real news that is slandered by the communist left and the Marxist uh, 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 communists are the ones that really give out their heart to the people that, that understand about the situation and are, are the ones that are exposing the real issues. So I was very touched by Alex Jones and the whole Infowar crew for allowing me to come on, as I am with you, Dr. Greener. I mean, not many people have really allowed me to come on the show. More and more are. But with your help and with your listeners' understanding, if there, if there are any professors, I know we haven't got much time, but uh, just if I, if I can share with you, Dr. Greener and your, and, your, and your listeners, that if anyone's a professor, anyone is a business person, share this with your colleagues, share this with your students, your families, your friends. Go to stoporganharvesting.org. Buy uh, uh, Ethan Gutman's book, The Slaughter. These people are not doing it for any money. I'm not doing it for any money, for fame or fortune. I just do it out of all my heart and kindness because as God would lead us to do right things and to fail to support the good and to fail to expose evil is unacceptable. Even house Christians have been, have been forced to op open. There have been accounts by Falun Gong practitioners that that uh, house Christians in China have been killed and forcefully opened up and their organs cut out of their bodies. So the four types of groups are house Christians, Uyghur Muslims in the northwest China, Tibetan Buddhists, and the largest group are the Falun Gong. All being labeled terrorists, all being labeled sinister cult members, all being because they, and why? And because they want to practice their faith in God. They want to remain independent, spiritually free, and, 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 and um, and uh, uh, open to other things outside of the communist regime. So that's why. I'm well, it's, you you you've got so much information on this. How can people um, read more from what your your research? I, you have a YouTube page, correct? Yes, I do. I, I had I, I usually you know have a couple of videos there, just uh, inspiring videos. Sometimes I put on and just talk about life and 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 just experience from my human experience and uh, my connection with the divine and with God. But yes, uh, I have uh, the organ harvesting videos. I have there as well. But more importantly, don't worry, you know. More importantly, if I do, if I can uh, urge your listeners to go to uh, stoporganharvesting.org and also endorganpillaging.org. Those are the two main sites. Also, I'll also share one more as well, very prominent site. The Doctors Against Forced Organ Harvesting, um, they have been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. But if you just go to dafoh.org, Doctors Against Forced Organ Harvesting, you can actually see also the reports. Uh, if I may, Sean, uh, just briefly, the Chinese, the, 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 the Transplantation Society went to China recently and just sat in a press conference staged by the communist regime to say, oh, we, have not, we are no longer doing organ harvesting, we've banned it. This is a bunch of garbage. Just like when they said that the, the one-child policy is banned. That's a bunch of nonsense. Anything that comes out of China, do not believe. It's deceptive. It's manipulative. And you know what? The left and the media, like the Communist National Network, as I call them, CNN, 
and nothing but crap and always broadcasting crap. ABC, NBC, and CNN. They have they, they've learned very much. They are mouthpieces of the communist regime in China. They've learned they've learned the play-by-play book playbook of the communist regime, one-on-one propaganda, in deception and manipulation. But there are bright sparks, and um, I think God is on our side when it, when it comes to truly exposing evil, standing up for what is right, and standing on the right side of destiny. So, yes, stop organharvesting.org, everybody, and organpillaging.org. Um, but Mr. Gr- uh, Dr. Greener, I thank you so much for allowing me to come on and share, and, uh, and God bless you. Oh, my pleasure. Absolutely. Hey, listen, man, thank you so much for coming on today. We really appreciate it. I look forward to having you on again. And feel free to, to send me updates on this. It's, it's powerful, absolutely powerful. Absolutely. And what it blows my mind is the tether to uh, the abortion industry here in the United States of America, Planned Parenthood, um, and all of that. It's just, it's just unreal. Hey, thank you so much, Mitchell. I, I sure appreciate it. And we look forward to talking to you again. Merry Christmas thank to you. Dr. Merry Christmas to you and God bless everybody. Thank you for listening and allowing me to share. It is our pleasure. So, so there you have it. It's kind of a crazy, amazing thing that you look at that and you say to yourself, this can't, this can't be, but this is how far the minds uh, have been squished to mush. This is, this is how far it's gone. This is how far God has been removed from any, and the things of God, the Judeo-Christian uh, beliefs, the things that, that, that we hold dear, have been ripped from us. And why is that? Why is that? Why does that happen? Well, it's happened because they've got to de-God everything. you got to take God out of everything. I mean, China is a godless society, and so for them to be able to do these horrific atrocities, you know, there, there's no link to God. It's just, it's just amazing. I want to tell you something really, really quickly. I think it's interesting. I saw this article. Somebody actually sent it to me. Um, they said, uh, outdoor women are leading the charge on conservation. And this is back on December 7th. Uh, more women are participating in fishing and hunting. And as these pastimes, this was written, by the way, uh, Gabby Hoffman, Gabriella Hoffman, really good writer, actually. As these pastimes become more popular among American women, it's worth noting the trends, these trends and celebrating them, not dismissing those who partake in them. Uh, actress and singer Hilary Duff recently posted a picture of herself spearfishing in Hawaii. However, the picture was met with scorn from some of her fans. And I mean to tell you, there and 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 she she posted this on uh, I think Twitter. Caught this today for uh, spearfishing. The only reason I don't feel terrible is because I'm eating it for lunch. And she's there in her swimsuit, and you know she's got her spear, and she's got this two fish that she that she caught, uh, and and she's excited about it. She's got a smile on her face, and you know, I'm I'm telling you, it's absolutely nuts the response that this woman got. One Facebook commenter wrote, I can't even look at someone who can smile after having tortured lives. I don't care that they don't walk on twos and talk like you. I can I can no longer respect you. In fact, I was a fan. Nope, not anymore. Female Hunter and Cabela's pro staffer, uh, Eva, which I'm trying to get her on it. Eva, Eva Shockey, she actually uh, hyphenates and she married an NHL player, uh, actually a uh, Philadelphia Flyers. So Eva Shockey's dad uh, is one of the greatest hunters of all time, one of the greatest adventurers uh, of uh, Jim Shockey, just absolutely amazing human being. So uh, she's also a Cabela's pro staffer, Eva Shockey Brent, has also been subjected to countless attacks for 
ethically hunting wild game, most notably uh, hunting a black bear. It's the largest black bear ever taken in North Carolina. Um, recently, she posted some Facebook messages uh, she received, including one that reads, please kill yourself. Thanks. No, really kill yourself. Um, and her response to that was, is you have enemies? Good. That means you've stood up for something sometime in your life. Now, I'm bringing this up. I only have a couple minutes, but I'm bringing this up because you, know, you guys know that when I'm healthy enough to, to hunt, um, I do. I can't climb trees or anything like that anymore. So I'm a ground hunter and I have to, it has to be somewhere I can pretty easily get to. And, you know, people are ready to help me and you know, all that stuff. Um, but I still like the hunt. I, I like the closeness, the connection to uh, your, what your sustenance that God provided for us. And I'm, I'm a, uh, an avid and respectful hunter. I mean, that's just, that's just reality. And, and so they, someone that would make that comment, you know, I can't even look at someone who can smile after having tortured lives. I don't care that they don't walk on twos and talk like you. I could no longer respect you. In fact, I was a fan. Nope, not anymore. Well, and then this person says, please kill yourself. No, thanks. Really kill yourself. These are the same people I would I would bet all the cash in my pocket. These are the people who are also folding money, uh, who are also vehemently pro-abortion, and with the same passion and vigor, anti-death penalty. This is this is just the reality of it, and it, and it's crazy the mindset of it, you know, um, to to attack a, a woman who you know she's in Hawaii, she's spear fishing. She caught her lunch. To attack her simply because of that is just, it's just ridiculous. Um, yet there'll be a lot of people who will say, well, you know, I mean, hunting's kind of, you know, we just go to the store and get our food. You know, the meat eaters will say, we just go to the store and get our food and it's all wrapped up. Yes, it's, it's, it's clinical, it's sanitary, it's clean. But that's not how food is procured. That's not how it really happens. I'm I am so for humane hunting, humane hunting. I'm a believer in humane hunting. I am. Uh, if you're a gun hunter, be an expert with the gun. If you're an archer like me, be an expert with the bow and arrow. You know, whatever your method of hunting is, be great at it. Never take shots that you shouldn't take that are above your skill set, and you know, harvest the animal. Uh, humanely and appropriately and respectfully. That, that's my thing. And so, but if you're, if you're a vegetarian, you know, I guess you, the way you get through that is you say, Hey, you know what? Uh, I don't kill anything, you know, nothing with a face. I know that's, that's, the, that's the deal here. But it does amaze me that, that most of the anti-hunting folks are so pro-abortion. They'll change the words to be pro-choice. You've all heard it a million times, pro-choice. Well, I'm pro-choice. The sad fact is, is they're not pro-choice. They're pro-death. They don't want animals to die, but they don't mind human beings dying. Folks, to uh, direct you to theninjapastor.com, click on the listen button, free messages there, all the last messages we do, every Sunday message, which is one hour, um, are there for you free of charge. Also, uh, all the shows that we do on Wednesdays, they're all there free of charge. 
share that site with a friend, drshawngreener.com or theninjapastor.com. Follow me on Twitter at theninjapastor. If you're on theninjapastor.com and you have any, uh, any to invest in what we do here, click on the donate button. We sure would appreciate it. God bless you. We'll talk to you on Sunday. Join us next time for The Collision of Faith and Politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio and at www. DrSeanGreener.com In the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining in this fight. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.